The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum, and we're joined by Philip Ryan, political editor with the Irish Independent, by Thomas Byrne, Minister of State at the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaelic, Sport and Media, and Louise O'Reilly, Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Fingal. Good morning and welcome to you both. It's been a busy time in Ross Cray, so Philip, let's get your take on what's gone on, how it's been handled. Yeah, it's a very unusual one, I think. Um, I was writing about it in the paper today as well. And I, I just haven't seen anything like the level of entitlement in a community that there has been down in Ross Cray. Like, look, the migration policy is is a huge issue across the country. But this idea that locals are entitled to a local hotel for functions and communions and whatever else they, they need to have, it, it's just beggar's belief, really. Like, it's, it's a business. If the hotel was busy enough... Surely, if they were having all these communions and functions and 30th and 21st and whatever else you're having, surely it would have stayed open. It would have remained as a hotel rather than an asylum centre. But that's, that's the basics for business. Yeah, they the they might argue the government is too generous in what it offers. I don't know. I well, might, they are I offering what an the awful prices lot, are. Yeah. yeah, and look, maybe it's a lot easier to house uh, a lot of migrants rather than uh, bowing to the needs and demands of the people of Ross Cray during their functions. So, look, it's just, I, I think there's a level of entitlement there that, that's a little bit nauseating, really. When you think of the people that are coming here looking for asylum, are coming from places where hotels are being blown up and are being shipped in here looking for a bit of sanctuary, and the people of Ross Cray are jumping up and down because they don't have somewhere to have a communion yeah. dinner. Well, we, we haven't really, I, in all the reading and watching, I've, I haven't heard from the owners of Racket Hall in terms of how the business was going mm. prior to this because they were effectively bypassed by the motorway system and maybe mm. things are not as uh, nice as they would like to, them to be. Louise? Well, I think the, there's no doubt that, uh, I mean, you mentioned the, the lucrative money, the, the mishandling by the government and the shambolic way they have approached uh, this policy has created for a very small number of individuals an absolute multi-million um, euro industry for them. So there's a, there's a small, and I think it is only a small few people who are benefiting um, to the tune of absolutely millions from this. And I, and I don't think that's right. I think the government should have moved on their plans to um, to repurpose or indeed to build large-scale yeah. uh, non-commercial developments. And, you know... Yeah, but we, you can't really do that that quickly. Do, do you know what I mean? You're looking yeah, for they, a few beds and you say, yeah. Mick, Mick has a place with uh, 40 rooms and so on. Uh, what's the price? And Mick maybe holds out a bit, gets a good price and says, off you go. And, you know, and, and that, that will always happen for as long as the government are not working on the alternative. I mean, the, the simple fact is next month it'll be two years uh, since the, the brutal invasion of Ukraine by Vladimir Putin started. So, like, it's not it's not true to say that they haven't had time. They, they have, but that time hasn't been used to do the thing that they said they were going to do, which was build and repurpose large-scale developments. Instead, what has happened is there has been a systematic... Uh, purchase and lease, or sorry, not purchase lease of uh, hotel accommod and uh, and bed and breakfast and, and other types of accommodation, commercial yeah. accommodation. I think had the government done what they had said they were going to do, we wouldn't be having this conversation, yeah. which is very very. Is, is that a valid point, Thomas? That uh, the government didn't act swiftly enough. Sorry, I mean this. The, the whole issue of migration has really come to the fore in the last few years. I mean, it's been a feature of life uh, in Ireland to, to an extent over the last twenty years, but to a much greater extent among our European neighbours in, in Central Europe uh, over the last twenty years, or to a much greater extent than even we are seeing here today. Uh, and they've had the same problems with finding accommodation. They've had the same problems with community acceptance. Um, but the, the real problem that all governments face 
is it the continued flow, but also the complete unpredictability of it. So we don't know if 20 people are literally going to come off the back of a lorry tonight somewhere because we won't have been responsible for it. Uh, some mafia people or whatever put them on put them on lorries. And you have to find a place for them. And like you can have all the plans you want, but you're dealing with massive unpredictability here. And I just think it's, it's important that we're very, very clear about international protection applicants. And they are applicants. I think sometimes we said, and, and we're right, we have to welcome people, we have to accommodate them, we have to get them school or whatever. But at the end of the day, someone is an applicant for international protection. So they, they don't automatically have a right to remain here, but they have a right to apply for asylum. And some of these people have really serious backstories and they'll be entitled to asylum. OK, but then, then we get the, the situation where people come into Rosslare in a refrigerator truck and vanish. Now, you know, they had committed no crime, according to the minister. However, entering the country illegally, I thought, would be an offence of some kind. I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And, and, and again, there are... There is nothing uncomplicated about this. It is a really difficult situation and exact, the exact same scenarios are happening everywhere. Uh, exactly the same. People are using these for political advantage as well, uh, people's misery or whatever. And um, There's no doubt that we haven't got everything right, but no government has or will get everything right on this issue because of the complete unpredictability of it and dealing with human people. Um, and I know there's criticism from the government, but... You know, I mean, I think Sinn Féin have a bit of a hard neck on this too. I mean, if, if you're a migrant abroad and, or an asylum seeker and you see Matt Carty saying refugees welcome and then you see another Sinn Féin TD addressing the Ross, Ross Cray protests, I think you'd be pretty confused about their position. Well, what, I what think did the Sinn Féin listened, person say you listen to, uh, Did you listen to what Martin Byrne said? There, there is, there did you listen been, to what he said, been, Thomas? It's been, a simple question. Did you listen there, to what there he said? There have been mixed messages. There have been mixed messages from Sinn Féin on this issue up and down this country. And that's a fact. And we've seen a change of tone as well. Uh, but Mary Lucy's Christmas, I mean, I think she said something about the Ukrainian migrants would, would have to go home um, sooner than maybe expected. And I think that was contradicted by some of your colleagues said. as well. Uh, so there's been said. complete mixed messages, but all political parties face this as a really difficult issue. Uh, and it is, it is difficult, but we have, the bottom line is, we have an obligation under, under international law, nobody can say that we don't, to consider these applications and in the meantime to house people and to look after them. Well, I think Thomas would be better served looking at the language used by some of his own uh, councillors and listening to what uh, what it is that's been said. But there's absolutely no disputing that this is a very, very serious issue. But there's also no disputing that the government have had years to, to get to grips with it. And yet it's announcement after announcement. But what there doesn't seem to be is a thought out strategic plan. There isn't there isn't a plan. And so therefore, we get the, the sense that the, mm. the government are just reeling from one incident to another incident to but another Minister incident. Minister Harris said the other day on the programme, he said we're still in the emergency phase. We literally don't know. We would have thought that the Ukrainians would stop coming. They're not. They're still coming in. They're hundreds every week. I know, they have Pat, an entitlement to, to come here. And we have people from that, all over the place. said back in, in March, uh, two, two years ago, next March, that they were preparing for 200,000. So, you know, like half that number has overwhelmed the system. There has been time to make that preparation. There has been time now and the I, government have been lacking and they should I, be honest and I, say I, I would, that they haven't done what they said they would do in terms of the large scale I think, scale I think overwhelmed the system is, 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 an, is unfortunate terminology. Yes, it has created pressure on system. But I mean, say, for example, the education system has reacted in a, an extremely credible credible way uh, to all of the people coming in, not not with English as their first language, in an unbelievable way. And the health service, despite some of the talk we hear, I mean, waiting lists are down, for example, in hospitals, there are more GPs going into the system as well. I think our, our services have actually been pretty resilient. And, uh, not perfect, but they've been pretty resilient. Well, I think most hotels that you, you see around the country will be a large migrant workforce as well. And maybe when the government steps in and buys a hotel for the people of Ross Grey, yet again, it'll be the... 
the migrants will be working there. Yeah. Yeah. The, and our, our health service right. and you know logistics, transport, retail, yeah. every no, but, single no, but, part uh, of, uh, of our society. In fairness, it, th- there is a system by which those kind of personnel enter the country on visas and so yeah. on, mm-hmm. and you know, so we have a way in which people who have skills can come into Ireland. But there are many people who may or may not have the skills who decide to come in a different way. But there is a system, you know, I mean, what we really need is a system that is fair, that is efficient and more importantly, that is enforced. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the length of time causes a problem. So we have over 5,000 people who are in the direct provision system who've got, got leave to remain, who should be in a home. And again, you know, this all of this and a lot of this comes back to the housing crisis. These people should be in a position to move on. They are in a position to work, which is good, but they're going home to direct provision every night. They should be able to start their lives and build their lives here. They've been granted but, leave to remain. They've been through what is a very elongated process and they've come out the other end of it. And I, I think, you know, we need to be looking at But when you've got leave also. to remain, don't you then become just like an ordinary Irish worker and that you've got to fend for yourself, by and large. Throw yourself at the mercy of the, the local housing list or get no, HAP they, or whatever. They, you know? they are, and they're working, but they're stuck in direct provision and they can't move on because like a, a lot of people who live in this state, they are, you know, at the mercy of the government's housing policy, which means mm. that they cannot get themselves there's somewhere also a, There's also a live. big issue when the government don't know how a lot of these people are coming in. There's The vast majority of migrants don't register in ports and airports. They just show up at these... Uh, asylum mm. centres. Uh, some come across the border. They come through the border, yeah, through um, across to Intelarn and down through uh, the train from Belfast or wherever, and and they come in that yeah. way. I, and w- then- I want to ask you about this hotel business. Mm. I mean, I am completely perplexed. There's Grant's Hotel in Rossgrave, which is closed down, and we're now talking about buying it. 2013, I think, so mm. ten years. Uh, thinking of buying it and refurbing it. Why wouldn't we just have forgotten about Racket Hall and gone straight to Grants? I'm, I'm that is mystified. The other, that is the other mystery around the whole thing. Um, it, presumably, the, the people in Racket's Hotel put forward a procurement or entered the procurement process and offered themselves up. It, it, there, I think there might be some uh, difficulties around who the ownership maybe of Grants, but they, they seem to be now willing to sell it for. Uh, community hotel. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the state puts the call out for accommodation. People put their hands up, presumably Racket Hall put their hand up and say, we're available. Um, we don't have compulsory purchase power. Uh, since this issue arose, uh, clearly local councillors, uh, Michael Smith, uh, TD Jackie Callard, you know, worked with the community to try to get hotel facilities for the town. I'm not sure that it's bedrooms that's required, or a lot of them, um, but rather the types of facilities that people... But doesn't that set a crazy type, precedent? Does yeah. um, an insane precedent? Like, well, why shouldn't well, no. every other town and um, or well, all most, citizens have well, access to a a local hotel. Well, should we have a referendum on no, the but, state recognising citizens' rights to I local mean, hotels? By and large, um, most towns of that size will have maybe not a hotel, but they'll certainly have some sort of a function room of suitable size to have functions. And that clearly wasn't. Yeah, but isn't it odd that the government should be charged with sub- supplying a function room for a hotel? No, I mean communities normally do that, and it could be the local GAA club is used for communities and so be, on. I, look, could, not, there'd be loads of opportunities. Not, the church hall, the parish hall. You know, I, I don't know, but this this solution, look, we're not. None of us is on the ground there, but the person who's on the ground, Councillor Michael Smith, Deputy Jackie Cahill, have put this forward to the government and the, the secured agreement in Brisbane. I, I so I think I would trust their knowledge. And the, the Salties Hotel was the only hotel down there, and that closed for a number of years. And I don't remember the, the state coming in to open up that to ensure the people of Kilmore could have 
access to a local well, hotel. Well, that is couldn't a, a lot of this have been avoided if there was proper consultation in the in the local area? Could the, the depth of feeling in relation to... And, Won't and, they always say no? I, I, question, well, I question the depth no, of feeling because... No, not necessarily. Well, I mean, the, the, the depth of feeling extends to uh, concern around the hotel, which the government have responded to and, and indicated, my understanding is, that they're going to purchase a hotel, a part purchase a hotel or, or whatever it is they're going to do now. But had there been some consultation, well, then the, the issue around the existence of a hotel with nobody in it um, would have been would have yeah. come up. Can I? Can um, you know, I, I, it just strikes me that had there been that okay. sort of Thomas, consultation, can I, can I question that, the depth you know, of feeling um, uh, on this issue? Um, yes, I absolutely accept there are concerns, but less than ten percent of the population in Ross Cray took part in the protest last weekend. I was talking about um, the depth of feeling about the hotel. Yeah, yeah, and and there's very few people outside the hotel, as I understand it at the moment, because most people wouldn't protest when children are in a building, for example. Mm. So I question the depth of feeling that's there. But unfortunately, some of the really strong voices, not all of them from Russ Cray, have been amplified uh, by social media. But I hate to say it, Pat, as well, by mainstream media as well. And I think that's been a pity. OK, I have a comment here from Sharon. I heard a guy interviewed at Russ Cray who said he didn't mind being called a hard right agitator. No shame. One particular leader of the hard right from Cork worked in Canada, has a Canadian wife and children, but is agitating against immigrants. They are hypocrites of the highest order. How many countries did the Irish put down roots in but were welcomed with open arms? These people disgust me. So there's a lot of hypocrisy around because we have to, you know, admit that we came in in huge numbers from Canada illegally into the United States and put utterly non-vetted. Anytime an Irish (laughs) minister or I presume an Irish opposition politician goes to America, we're raising the issue of the undocumented Irish every single time we go there. Mm -hmm. Quick questions for uh, two of our panel and that comes from from, uh, on the DUP today. Have you any word from Belfast? What is going on? Because this is D-Day for the DUP. Well, there have been a few uh, D-Days for the DUP and, and the, the, that that has come and gone. But yet we, Michelle O'Neill has made it very clear. And uh, to be fair to the woman, she could not have made it more clear. We stand ready to form an executive. That is what is absolutely necessary. There were thousands of public sector workers on the picket line yesterday. They didn't need to be there. They shouldn't. Yeah, they're also there. very they annoyed at all the politicians, in fairness, because they were saying they're getting their money they as MLAs. They want to see MLAs, the institutions back up and we're running. here yeah, striking. But, they, but the, exactly. And when you talk to people in the ICTU, they will tell you that what they want to see is the institutions back up and running. That's what Michelle O'Neill has been working so hard So you have no insight from the DUP do. yet. Well, it, you know, the time for talking, I think, is, is past. The time to form yeah, the executive The deadline was last now. night. The time to form the executive is now. All right, Philip. Uh, yeah, look, it, it, it's the the public sector workers up there. You feel sorry for when they see all their counterparts in other parts of uh, being you know, paid more, being paid more for doing the same job, and it, they do seem like um, the secretary say is kind of holding them to ransom to a little bit as well, and using well, them, he's using, using them, them perhaps for, as a yeah. weapon, but maybe it might work. You know, if everyone is embarrassed, well, I don't think that's. I don't process. think it's fair to do that. I mean, the, the, you know, the men and women DUP who were on the, yeah, the I'm not commenting <laughs> on that, but the men and women who were on the picket line yesterday, they were very, very clear in what they want. They want to see the institutions back up and running, and I hope the yeah, DUP Thomas, were listening to that. Look, I mean, I mean, Northern Ireland needs a functioning government of people from the north. That's that's the reality. Um, services, public services, there are suffering badly. Not simply because workers aren't paid enough, but they're just suffering badly because of lack of funding, lack of direction. Uh, the c- civil service up there can only do so much. Uh, it needs political leadership. It needs people to come together. And the signal that that would send out to foreign investment who want to come to Northern Ireland as well, if you want jobs, if you want a prosperous future, you and do Michelle need a O'Neill, to government. be fair, has been providing that leadership and that has been acknowledged not just by government but by others. But what we need to see is the same level of leadership from the DUP. OK, now, a uh, quick one for you, um, Minister, particularly with sport. Mm. Park, Equive or Park Hooper Value or Super Value Pork. Um, what say you? 
Well, look, I mean, it's, uh, I suppose the official line from the department would be that that's not a matter for the Minister for Sport. But uh, <laughs> obviously, my, my, my leader has obviously made, uh, as in fairness to me, Where's he from? Oh, oh uh, yeah. Cork. He's also, he's also a pretty fanatical football follower as well. Absolutely. To be fair to him. He's not, it, well, absolutely. Like, he's pretty committed to, to football. I know that for, for, for many, many years and lives and breathes and really talks about nothing else if he's not talking about politics. Mm. So I would defer to his view on that. Now, I have to say, though, if we are building stadiums, there are expensive things to do. There are lots of people at the moment mm-hmm. looking for stadiums. How much would the government give? Uh, it was 100 million of a bill. Was it 30 million, 33 I, million? I think it was 30 million. It's before my time. But, mm-hmm. but what we're doing now, we'll be launching a large-scale sports infrastructure fund now in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, and can you remember who was Minister for Sport when the money was... It wasn't Shane Ross, because Park... Park Shane Ross. Yeah. I don't think. I don't, think, well, I don't, I don't think, know that they're going to like that anymore. Than I, I don't think Michael Martin. I don't think Michael Martin was minister for sport, but I'm sure he had some influence on it somewhere along the line. So, but but we'll be we'll have a stadiums policy Shane as part of that because pitch, stadiums need to be able to fund themselves. Uh, they also in the GA sector need to be similarly available to men and women as well, and that'll be a priority too. Um, and I think, don't think we need to over-engineer them. Now, there's a, a real issue in the League of Ireland at the moment where the stadiums are so bad that they can't even really yeah. broadcast television from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them will have to be upgraded. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, want to do that. Yeah, no, that is a big issue, I think, at the League of Ireland. Like, you, you go to them, and the thing is, um, the government's playing catch-up and the FAI are playing catch-up with this because people are, are going to the matches. I'm a season ticket holder for St. Patrick's Athletic myself, and I haven't seen the crowds in my entire life that are showing up. Like, there's 4,000 people. Yeah, so there's an appetite for and the sport. I, there's 4,000 the people showing up. Yeah, yeah, but what we're going to have is more municipal, we need more municipal stadiums, multi sports stadiums as well. Because, because there's some stadiums yeah. around the country where there's hardly a match in them, and yet the League yeah. of Ireland, every couple of weeks, is a match, and, and, and they're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, you've seen that in the League of Ireland, an absolute uptick in the number of fans going, and it's great to see it, but it does need to be resourced. Yeah. A final question, and uh, you know we're in the middle of the Trump um, quest for the Republican nomination. Uh, be afraid, be very afraid is my mantra, really, for the so. recoming of Trump. No, what do you I, say, Phil? I, I saw that the, the, uh, Joe Biden's speech on the eve of the January 6th anniversary. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's very much worth a watch. A good half-hour speech, probably his best speech he's ever made. And it does show there is a bit of life in the old dog. And he, he can't, I think if it put down to the two of them, um, in a debate and when people see they remember what Trump was like and, and what he's doing his reaction to even that speech was just to you know make silly noises and uh, yeah. like have a go at him for stuttering like, so he's, there's no substance to the man is the reality no. uh, There's none but his, uh, his time as president was characterised by uh, a rise in just incredibly divisive language um, it was not a great time for, uh, for Americans but you know it's up to them who their president is I think for us we need to keep the focus on the maintenance of the good relationship that we have with, uh, with the US and indeed uh, the many people who uh, you know are very focused on Ireland who are within the Congress and, and, and the Senate And in fairness it's one of two policies in America really where there's cross-party unity on them across the aisle in Congress is Northern Ireland. So um, it's very important that we maintain that and we work at every side of the divide uh, and all I know that all yeah. Irish governments all Irish parties And the idea of uh, not going to brandish the bowl of shamrock in the White House because of uh, Sorry, Gaza? But he only got he only got fifty one percent. Trump only got fifty one percent of the Iowa caucus votes, which is the hard the hard line sort of Republican. So I, I think when he goes, yeah, there's out a to way to run in this election. Yes, I'm, I'm not there's sure there's he's a, a, a certain. Sorry, I missed that last question. Then. No, but forget. We don't even have time. Okay, okay. my <laughs> thanks uh, to one and all uh, to, uh, to to Philip Ryan, political editor of the Irish Independent, Thomas Byrne, Minister of State, and Louise O'Reilly, Sinn Fein TD for Dublin Fingal. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at nine a.m on News Talk.